the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. The coronavirus pandemic has exposed the fact that the role of shipping and seafarers has been ignored by many outside of our industry for far too long. Shipping has an image problem. But I would argue that this is at least partly a problem of the industry's own making. The shipping industry routinely complains that it is invisible and unrecognised as a key component of global trade. But we are an industry that has too often tried to live in the shadows, tried to be discreet, tried to be forgotten. From the Suez Canal grounding to the current supply chain crunch, we have had multiple opportunities to explain how shipping has kept the world moving through this pandemic. But we have collectively missed those opportunities, opting instead to manage individual crises, cowering behind press releases and crisis managers. It is a common complaint that shipping lacks a sufficiently unified industry voice to address these issues. Many would prefer not to address them at all. The industry has got good stories to tell, but it must also tackle the difficult ones. Recent mainstream press coverage of shipping, including the Black Trail documentary featured on this podcast a few weeks ago, and the recent highly critical account of the IMO seen in the New York Times, all stem in part from a lack of industry engagement. In both cases, these reports reflect genuine issues that required a response, rather than a blind assumption that the industry has simply been misrepresented by people who don't understand us. So this week I'm delighted to welcome the new president of BIMCO, Sabrina Chow, to the podcast because she has pledged that the task of making shipping's voice better heard by the outside world will be at the top of her agenda over the next two years. Increasing the awareness of the important role that our industry and crucially our seafarers play in society will no doubt be high on everyone's agenda this week as we consider the day of the seafarer on June 25th. It's a topic we will be picking up with the IMO Secretary General, Mr Kitak Lim, on next week's podcast. But in the meantime, I think this is an issue that has been sidelined for too long as a mere PR matter to be left to others. Now, more than ever, it should be apparent that a fragmented voice on such issues is not just a question of reputation. It's about our licence to operate. We are talking a few weeks after you have launched a very interesting video seeking to explain to those outside of the shipping industry exactly what shipping is about. It's interesting because... As you've pointed out previously, the coronavirus pandemic has rather exposed the fact that the role of shipping and seafarers has been ignored by many outside the industry. I guess I'd like to start by asking you, you know, does the shipping industry have an image problem and what do you think we can do about it? Uh, thanks, Richard. I, I, I think so. Um, obviously, we have an image problem. And I also agree with you that we have been lurking in the shadows all these years, partly due to our own fault. But I think, you know, rather than focusing what's happened in the past, you know, it's just more effective at facing where we are now and how we can change this, the status quo. I think before there were, as you know, you know, our industry is hugely fragmented and each owners all have our own flamboyant characters and we don't necessarily agree um, on, on the details of how a shipping company or how the shipping industry should run. But I think there is one consensus now today that everybody agrees that 
you know, we have a responsibility to the next generations um, to decarbonize, to do what is right, you know, for for our planet Earth. Mm. And on that basis, I think then things can start to get a move on. In the world, the, the world hasn't caught on on that fact. And that is something that we need to raise awareness on because it is hugely important. You know, we have been villainized for far too long. You know, it's always the image of like, you know, a very polluted, you know, seashore or like, you know, seagulls covered in crude oil and all that. Everyone in the industry know that there we have done so much in terms of accident preventions and you know vetting, etc. That kind of advancement in our industry we have we have caught on, you know, in the last decade or two. Um, but what hasn't caught on is what we have done and where our industry is at and our aspirations through IMO is trying to achieve. And we as an industry and definitely for BIMCO is looking to work with NGOs to promote, to, to make it known what we want to do. And sometimes it is not always easy to just do it alone, you know, and because our industry is so global that a lot of these policies will need collaborations with different entities for this to happen. And But in order for that to happen, first of all, you have to, we have to understand what each of us stand for. Otherwise, we will launch into a blame game. Mm. And that is not effective. But as an industry, if we want to decarbonize, if we want to do something, if we want to make known what we want to achieve, and we might not know how to get there, but at least, you know, with collaboration, we can do it together. And I think that is a message that is very key to our industry today. Mm. Well, let's, I mean, let's talk about that, because I think you're right. You know, the industry does obviously have good stories to tell, and we'll, we'll come on to some of those in a second. But it also must tackle the difficult ones at the same time. We've seen recent mainstream press coverage of shipping uh, notably the Black Trail documentary, which we featured on the podcast a few weeks ago, uh, New York Times, uh, three-page account of uh, IMO's climate agenda, uh, you know, operating at a fairly glacial pace. You know, this is the perception that those outside of the industry have of our industry. Now, one could argue that is simply an image problem and they don't understand the good works that we do. But it is a problem because it is preventing progress within multilateral institutions. And most recently, of course, it has prevented uh, a coordinated response to uh, COVID and to vaccinating seafarers. And, you know, the, the crewing crisis that we have seen has stemmed directly from the fact that governments at every level have failed to comprehend the reality of shipping and the essential nature of what it does so this image problem has tangible outcomes and that's why it is so important and that's why i'm assuming it is uh, now you know top of the agenda for bimco so just going back a little bit i mean this is more than a few promotional videos this is pretty essential to the uh, the future uh you know efficacy of the of the entire industry really absolutely with that in mind then what is the plan you know you've put this at the top of your agenda for your presidency at bimco um uh, you know how do we go forward from here um one step at a time 
<laughs> I think you know. Um, let, let's let's just be realistic as well. You know that you know we are we have been having this image problem for so long. I mean, I don't have an illusion that this can be reverted in a year, <laughs> you know, mm. or two. You know, it's a constant effort, and it's not just an image issue per se. But really, you know, we are looking to collaborate more. You know, with people outside, with organizations outside of industry, with governments, um, mm. want to to make known um. What we do, um, make known the importance of the maritime industry, and make known some of the facts um, and and the challenges that we are facing. You know, we talk about you know the environmental issue. We kind of touched on um, the the COVID pandemic and the crew change issue, and then of course there's piracy issue as well. That you know we want our seafarers um, to to be able to go home. You know, um, yeah, safely. You know, so, so all these problems and it, 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 it just involves so many different parties and 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 it's it's and, and that's why some of you know the the issues that we face in shipping take so long to to resolve is because you know we're not always on the same page and each each party will probably come in with a slightly different um, perspective and different agenda on, on in terms mm. of the priorities. So it's not always easy to engage. But I think what what we have learned in in the past five years um, or so or ten years is through the power of information, the power of the internet and the media, that you know that can catch people's attention very effectively, and and it is something that you know as shipping we should also look at doing. You know you know we you know from at the beginning you know um of of our conversation we talk about you know. Shipping being featured very negatively in in so many, so many times, and but you know we we should also put it in a different light that you know to to there are certain you know um aspect that maybe we should think of how to leverage you know the the power of the of the mass to in order to to advance our course, and mm. that is what we try to achieve with with the with the videos that Bimco are doing. It's not trying to, you know, um, put because we're trying to change the image. We are just plainly trying to put out facts to make it known to to the world, you know, the importance of shipping and you know seafarers, um, who are sort of like um, the people that that allow global shipping to work and their interests, you know, despite all the ship owners' best efforts, are being ignored. You know, so mm. can we sort of, you know. Utilize uh, the the awareness of the mass to to promote our cause. We had the eyes of the world on us recently when uh, a, a twenty three twenty four thousand TEU Evergreen vessel managed to block the Suez Canal for a week, and for that period we were inundated with press queries asking us about. Uh, you know, the nature of shipping and uh, global choke points. And, you know, we had an opportunity as an industry to turn uh, what was, a, you know, a relatively negative story into an explanation about the fragility of global supply chains and why shipping was so essential. Mm-hmm. And yet what happened was the industry adopted its routine position of hiding behind 
PR flax and, uh, you know, issuing statements and viewing it as a negative story. Do you think that's part of the problem? You know, we, we, we suffer from this sort of oily bird syndrome in that, you know, shipping doesn't tend to hit the mainstream headlines unless there is a disaster or a problem to be talked about. And therefore, we are in a defensive mode most of the time. I think that basically has already begun. Sadly, it's become a bit of a habit, <laughs> you know. Um, but, the, but, but, but you're right. I mean, because, you know, and if you look at um, that incident, as a standalone, if you are a company facing that, um, it is quite daunting that suddenly mm. such an invisible industry, you have all eyes of the world on you, and at that moment you become camera shy. It is very understandable. Yeah. Right. Mm. Um, you know, but if there are, and and that's why you know when when I said in my inaugural speech that you know um industry organizations are you know there is a role for industry organizations to take and that is exactly what i mean because there's sometimes as 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 a company i mean in in this incident um you know that the company we talk about it's it's very sizable but it can very easily just be a very you know medium to small owner who will never have that kind of resources to deal with you know such a pr crisis mm. but whether there are you know um organization out there that can utilize or help you know an, an owner who's facing this to turn this around um you know it, it it's just I, I guess we're not very good at sort of um you know latching onto these crisis turn opportunities as as, as an industry yeah, you you mentioned the word fragmented at the beginning of the podcast, and I I think it's often misunderstood quite how fragmented the shipping industry is. But I think what's also missed is that the industry's representation is very fragmented. We exist within this sort of acronym soup of associations and bodies and federations, and uh, to the outside world, that is confusing and and one of the problems is that the industry doesn't speak with a singular voice because we aren't a singular industry. You know, even the existence of BIMCO, when you have the likes of the International Chamber of Shipping, doesn't make a huge amount of sense to those sitting outside it. For those inside, we obviously understand the difference. But do you think that lack of unity in terms of the way that the industry talks outwards is part of that issue? And do you think perhaps we need some sort of consolidation in terms of our industry representation? I think there are so many times that, you know, the talk of consolidation has 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 happened and it it's just very difficult in a way there is there a need probably you know um but then again uh each association as you rightly pointed out you know represents slightly different you know um values or different sets of owners so yes there is and that's why we have the round table in a way you know there is a round table of associations that we meet quite regularly um to to just basically share you know what kind of work we are doing mm. we might not necessarily agree but at least we are aware <laughs> of each other's agenda um and and you know and and when when it serves our purpose we'll come together when it doesn't we'll go our separate ways mm. so, yes it and that, comes down to collaboration you know rather than sort of like trying to force out sort of like you know um agendas to align then maybe it, it will just come together when it's when 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 our positions are aligned and then we'll just go our separate ways otherwise yeah. it is a free, free economy <laughs> yeah, right? very much so yes raw yes. supply and demand in yes. uh, in its largest form um 
going back to the, the the point you raised about decarbonization and the challenge that the industry has there we were obviously talking in the middle of uh, the MEPC meeting within the International Maritime Organization this week it's a it's a pretty crucial uh, week of discussions the difference between what's going on inside Albert Embankment and the the detailed technical discussions and the way in which it is perceived outside is again an obvious example of where the industry is not quite hitting the mark in terms of explaining how this process happens. And actually, you know, arguably the industry has a relatively good story to tell in comparison to other sectors. Do you think there is a, you know, a better job that we need to do as an industry to explain how this regulatory process works and why it does look slow, but a, a consensus agreement that works is better than one that is fragmented and, and ultimately doesn't achieve the end game? Um, I think absolutely. You know, um, to be honest, you know, before I joined Vimco um, two years ago as president designate, I must, I must admit that, you know, I don't really quite understand sort of how um, things get done within the MEO at IMO. And of course, now I have a pretty good understanding. And once you have that understanding of how things um, as from an idea to come into being sort of like um, a regulation, then you have an appreciation of the kind of effort that has to go in for that to happen. And if you if if, if one understand that I'm not saying that this is, you know, the, the only way or not, then one has an appreciation of things happens the way it, it does now. Mm. Um, are there rooms for improvements? There are always rooms for improvements in everything. Um, so rather than, you know, just putting IMO sort of in the spotlight and saying that, oh, you know, why are things moving so slowly? Um, we should have an understanding of things happen and how, you know, an, an idea get discussed, etc. And I, I personally have an appreciation for, for, for IMO for all the efforts that they go in, in in this huge agenda that they're looking at right now. But having said that, you know, is it the the most perfect ways of how things are done? Probably not. But how many, you know, member states do they have? And each member state exactly. And how many of them really sitting on that level really have a true understanding of shipping and the agenda that IMO is facing? But they each well. carry the same voting rights. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. So it, it is not an easy task. I, 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 you know, I, I definitely, you know, in, in my few years um, within BIMCO, definitely very much appreciate the, the work that that's going on in IMO. And I think the world probably should know how, you know, before they launch into a massive criticism, <laughs> you know, um, you know, we, we should understand the process. The other priority that you've put out on your agenda is, of course, the importance of getting Asia's voice heard. Uh, you're talking to me from Hong Kong and, uh, yes. you know, the, the, the Asian powerhouse of, of shipping has for a long time led the industry commercially, but perhaps has lacked uh, a voice in terms of the international forums and uh, the international debate. What Absolutely. do you think needs to happen to, to, to redress that balance and, and really make sure that you know the the importance of uh, Asia's shipping power is actually represented in a, a more tangible form in, ter in terms of uh, industry representation and its voice generally. I, I think 
it probably is is a bit of a cultural difference as well. I think as 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 a society, we are we normally keep to ourselves, and there is probably a bit of a language barrier and time difference and and all that stuff. You know, it will all come to play. You know, um, in in how things are the way it is now. But having said that, you know, um, what for example, Bimco has done um in 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 the last few years is you know because of COVID, because of various you know um restrictions of traveling, etc. You know, um, we have had certain panels that's held online or even, you know, on a regional level, and they prove to be very effective. You know, um, Asians might not like to speak in front of a whole room full of people, but if there is just a group of, you know, of peers sitting around a table, you know, over, over a meal, you know, then we tend to open up. So it is just a format, you know, there isn't a one size fit all kind of format that that something maybe a cocktail party that will work in, in Europe might not work in Asia. You know, we probably mm. need a more intimate setting that is conducted in our most comfortable native language. So, you know, we will need to look to adopt um, different formats for different markets. And, and that's exactly why I said I want to build in an Asian um you know, uh, rep- you know, a bigger rep- Asian representation is to try out the different formats. I mean, I haven't got it all figured out, especially with COVID and all these travel restrictions at this moment. But definitely, you know, we will need to, you know, reach out in different pockets. For example, there will be sort of like um, a, a Japanese uh, owners panel that will be conducted in Japanese to talk about various issues that BIMCO is looking at, you know, um, that, you know, IMO is looking at, et cetera, and how they feel about certain topics and how we can build that into and engage these members into our conversation. And same with India, same with Singapore. I mean, Singapore and Hong Kong normally, you know, we are the one with the loudest voice because, you know, <laughs> you know, we're more westernized in a way. Yes. Um, but then, you know, the, the Chinese, you know, um, membership, you know, they're so powerful, yet, you know, they probably rely on their own network to 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 send through sort of like you know what what they're trying to do and what they stand for. So how do we align that with sort of like in and 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 their perspective into the Bimco agenda would, would be very mm. important to us. And same with Korean and Taiwan and, and and all these you know great places in Asia that 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 have some you know very famous ship owners. You have made a career. Uh, standing up and, and, and talking, but I would argue that you are something of a rarity, and we see many of the same faces uh, talking about many of these issues that you've raised. One of the problems we have is that while your presidency and that of your predecessor, Saddam Kapnoglu, uh, you know, have raised important issues and sought to get these things on the agenda. Your tenures uh, in the spotlight are short-lived, and these are problems that will obviously outlive your uh, position within BIMCO and, you know, indeed, uh, you know, many other platforms. How, how do we make these more long-term issues and, and, and get beyond this cycle of representation, do you think? Thank you for um, raising that, Richard. Um, that's exactly um, what Shadan and I have worked for in, in the last few years, to build in a medium to longer-term strategic plan. For BIMCO, and you are, you rightly pointed out that our tenure is two years each. You know, it's really not that long uh, to achieve anything. You know, especially in in shipping. So what we have now done is, um, or in the process of doing, is laying out a five-year strategic plan for BIMCO. So whatever agenda that we talk about now, um, for example, last year when Shadan was still president. I'm very much part of that conversation because she knows that, you know, after her will be me. 
And when I'm having this conversation, Shadan is part of that conversation. And um, and and Nico, who's who is the current unprecedented for Bimco, is also part of that conversation. And of course, the secretariat will be the permanent, you know, in 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 this um, arrangement. So the secretariat is signed on to our vision. And then, so we have three consecutive um, presidents who is involved in this discussion. And and I'm sure that when Nicholas took over from, from me two years later, he his predecessor will also be part of, his successor will also be part of that conversation as well. So we are trying to build in the continuity this way, which, which is very important. Um, and you rightly pointed out that, you know, this plan that we are, you know, um, launching on for, for shipping, for maritime, for BIMCO, you know, should definitely outlive our tenure. Well, with any luck, we will have you back on the podcast before the end of your presidency at BIMCO and uh, assess whether or not you have managed to achieve what you wanted to. But uh, for now, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, and Sabrina Chow, president of BIMCO, thank you for joining the Lloyd's List podcast. Thank you very much, Richard. It's been a pleasure talking to you, everyone.